Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And coming here live via Melty uh, Motherbox Wall, it's me, Niall McGowan. And I am John Parker. We're both from the Bat Minute and Miami Minutes podcasts. Yeah, we've got two because we're stupid. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um, from Gotham City to Miami. Yeah. yeah. You have to ask, which, which is more foolish? Is it to do a four-hour movie, minute by minute, or two shorter movies? But there's two whole movies I thought you were going to ask me which is more foolish, to visit Gotham City or go to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting question, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Gotham's pretty hairy, but the, according to Miami Connection... The, the place, Miami is Florida itself is just crawling with biker ninjas around every goddamn corner trying to give you cocaine random, yeah you'll steal your cocaine along with your life according to the song <laughs> Miami is its own melting pot there's a reason why or Florida is a melting pot there's a reason why Florida uh, is, is be, it's just always on the news and it's because <laughs> the demographic is a melting pot of chemical reaction <laughs> uh, we've got everything i i couldn't even i don't even know where to start but there, it's like yep that's florida that's everyone everyone's welcome here mm-hmm. and it just becomes a mess um but at least gotham city has batman so yeah yeah if, o- if only we could have a a, a batman a, a swampman or a <laughs> something swamp thing in the everglades there yeah, you go that's that's different though then like that's that's different <laughs> No, I, I always yes. like to think of superheroes as a as a normal name, as you said, Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bruce Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So today we are going to be talking about uh, minute number one hundred and twelve. This minute's going to start out with Steppenwolf uh, answering Desaad's previously asked uh, Melty Wall question. Um, and the minute's going to end with a whole new scene. Um, Batman standing on top of a gargoyle. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Classic Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. To quote oh. Gary Oldman in The Dark Knight, he does that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, he does do that. That very Although, same thing. I won't get it. Actually, save it for the end of the minute. But, like, we've done four and a half seasons of Batman now. Yeah. And this is our first time getting to Batman talking to Jim Gordon by the bat signal. Like, it's bonkers <laughs> to think. It's insane to think that. But this is the first time we're getting to do a scene like that. But I'll get to that when we get to it. Because it's like, there's there's caveats, of course. But technically, that is true. Um, but the other thing wow. I, I wanted to get into, uh, this, oh, this is a bit weird, because as I was making notes, I was researching uh, the voice of the sod, Peter Guinness, and mm-hmm. everything I found about him that was interesting is something that I know that me and John would find very like ah, oh! and would completely isolate uh, both of you guys as well because they're very English centric. So um, I felt that we was like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm knocking you out of your own podcast here, but I'm like, do you know no. that he was in this? Please share. So Give there, us like the best one. Yes, and that there was a reason I I saw these minutes and I was like, oh, I gotta have John and I because of course it was like Batman, it was Jim Gordon, there was Bat Signal. There's so much Batman I wanted to talk to you guys about, of course. Um, and when I saw it was, you know, Peter Guinness voiced Assad, 
I was like, let me let me say it on the podcast, not just because we mentioned it before, but with you guys, I was like, maybe they know what's going on here because because <laughs> I, I was looking through his stuff earlier and I was like, I don't really know any of this stuff. Mm. Um, but yes, please take it away. Well, I mean, one of the big things that stood out to me is that he's in Chernobyl. So <laughs> the, the recent the, yeah, the, the Jesse Buckley Chernobyl show was an excellent drama. I uh, highly recommend it to anybody. Although it is very dour and it's not uh, any fun particularly, but <laughs> it is scary. Good. Yeah, oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, some yeah. of my Gives favorite anxiety things, in that first episode. Mm. Some of my favorite movies and shows are not fun in the slightest. Yeah, you know? yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, but then he's also in Pennyworth. Uh, which me and John are potentially covering on our Patreon, maybe eventually. It feels like we should. We've dealt with Alfred so much, but we've we've yet to dive into the Pennyworth or yeah. what? The, what was the official title they gave it the, in the end? Pennyworth Tales. The story of ba- Batman's Butler. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Colin. All kidding. I think of it is, I just think of Pennyworth, yeah, that is, one yeah. where Alfred shags the Queen. Yeah. Oh my season, God. season one. I know that. Uh, end of season one is that there's uh, Alfred shags the Queen. <laughs> And then apparent there is also episodes featuring the Waynes going to like an Alistair Crowley orgy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this show's like, I can't I can't imagine why this isn't the biggest show on earth right now. Because <laughs> and seeing the guy too doing such a broad, broad Michael Caine impression as well. So it's like we we gotta tap into this thing <laughs> eventually. This it has to be covered. Um also of course he's in uh, Peter Guinness is in Sleepy Hollow, of course, Tim Burton. Uh, you know, some of me That's and John, right. that is right. Me and John dealt with quite a bit, uh, and then one of the big ones dating way back to um, Batman at eighty nine. Uh, John, you'd be happy to know that he was uh, in episodes of The Bill. Oh, holy crap! There we go. Yeah, that was one. Um, if anyone listened to our first season, because they filmed eighty nine in London, like every every person who wasn't like the main four characters had been in the bill <laughs> at one point. So every time there was any random, an extra or any side character, it was just like, oh, there's the newsreader. Yep, she was in the bill. Yeah, uh, and it just it's kept like, going like that. It's like Until, Criminal Minds actor kind of things. It's like yeah, yeah. Criminal Although we find out then when we hopped over to the Schumacher movies, Jag. It was all Jag all the time. Oh, yeah. uh, and we still go, <laughs> even Mask of the Phantasm, you still get Jag people uh, popping up. Um, and we still keep talking about doing a Jag podcast as a joke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, yeah, the whole, the, whole the, the original pitch was to do because we tend to our episodes tend to run long yeah so I I think I originally pitched we give ourselves 20 minutes to get through talking about a JAG episode mm-hmm. and if it, if we don't make it the episode just cuts off and it was going to be called Batman it's JAG race <laughs> and it was, it's an allusion to RuPaul's Drag Race and I thought it was hilarious that's <laughs> very it was, good uh, it's very yeah. good I loved it uh, I like that but, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, again, things that I know me and John like, at least. He's in Alien 3, which is one I'm sure everyone's yes, seen, has seen Alien 3. But um, he's just one of the prisoners. He's one of the guys who, like, uh, assaults Ripley. And then he's just, like, you know, when they're trying to trap the alien in the maze, like, trying to lead it into the, the lead pouring thing. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just one of the guys who gets killed at one point. Um, he's in a great Michael Mann movie, really undersung Michael Mann movie from the 80s uh, called The Keep. Which is like an adaptation of like an old gothic horror novel about Nazis going into like a castle in Europe, like an old abandoned castle, and they find a golem, like you know the Jewish myth- mythological figure of the golem. Mm-hmm. And like the movie's got like Ian McKellen and Scott Glenn in it, and it's like I remember when I first saw it years ago, been like, oh, this should totally remake this because it's a great idea, but like the music's really dated and the effects are really shonky. 
And now I'm like, oh, no, you can never remake this because the music's so dated and the effects are really shonky. That's what makes it so great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I'll have to check that one out. Oh, it's great. It's a fantastic. Yeah, really, it's a great midnight horror movie kind of thing. It's very unlike anything Michael Mann made before or since. Uh, and yes, so good to see Ian McKellen go full on ham in it as well. This is a, this always a joy, <laughs> of course. Um, nice. But yeah, then it's a, it's in the, the original version of the Woman in Black, which was like a TV version of it back in the nineties. Really. Uh, and then um, one of the things I know again would appeal to, to John in particular uh, is that he's in an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Hey. <laughs> My mother was a huge fan of Tales from the Crypt. That's an amazing show. I absolutely love Tales from the Crypt. But he was in an episode called um, Horror in the Night. Uh, and it co-starred uh, Ed Tudor Pole. Hey! Who I know John's a massive fan of because Ed Tudor Pole, I think he used to be like a punk a punk musician. And then yeah, he was... he's called Tempole Tudor when he was a singer for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and then now he's known to me as the the lesser host of the Crystal Maze, which was a fantastic uh, game show hosted yeah. by Richard O'Brien in the nineties. Uh, and then Richard O'Brien left it, and Ed Tudor Pole came in, and it's understood by most people that the show suffered when Ed Tudor Pole came in. But John's the one person there shining the light for him, going, "Yeah, he, he's a full blown Ed head." That's what. Uh, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> I know nobody knows what I'm talking about. I don't care. Uh, I will defend him. Yeah, he's not Richard O'Brien, but he's doing his own thing. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. You can enjoy both. You can enjoy the. You know, he had a vision for the Crystal Maze, just like Zack Snyder had a vision for Justice League. Yes, <laughs> he, he saw it through it's all to about the end. The vision. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then one thing I also just noted in um, Peter Guinness's IMDb is that it had trademark. He is nearly completely bald, and I was like. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, him. Can I make that my trademark too? <laughs> when people yeah. see like, there's no, oh God. <laughs> Always with the boldness, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Make That's it amazing. your thing. It, it, it's got to be. I mean, it's just like those those traits that you got. to. That's funny that you got to like put it on your back of the headshot resume kind of thing. Almost. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, but can you Justice go... League movie. You know, Lex Luthor's in it. I mean, yeah. I am. It's like, it is how do you, trademark. How do you feel about going completely bald? You say almost, but yeah. we, may need to, we may need to shave you. Um, absolutely <laughs> but not. Like, no I'm, way. It's, 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 it's nearly bald. It's like I'm hanging on to these last yeah. few hairs. Like, yeah. Like, I, the utmost of desperation. It's like, you can't do it. You can't take them away from me. If you need someone with a comb over, I'm your man. Yeah. Got like a just CGI the, the, the two hairs off. That's all. <laughs> Sound like a no wig contract? Nope. And then it's like the most butchered job ever. They're like, how'd you screw this up? It was just two hairs. All you had to do is just clean it up a bit. Yeah. Well, he didn't tell them that the two hairs were uh, on his lip. <laughs> it's like, oh, God yeah, damn it. It's completely CGI'd. The, the, the whole head has been cgi'd yeah didn't even match skin tone <laughs> i know too though that um a bit of pride though here in kieran hines as well though because he's from up the road for me like i'm um i'm irish i don't say irish but some people will say specifically northern irish uh i know kieran hines is i'm sure you've talked about him loads already because he's that most major character and stuff but yes. he's he's a belfast boy it's like every time he pops up on something like it's a, 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 a thing instilled in me by my dad. Every time you see someone Irish in a movie, you have to have a little swell of pride of like, oh, there you go. <laughs> Doing well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the man himself. Yeah, I mean, I always was a huge fan of him in, um, as, um, uh, I just had his name in my head. 
is Game of Thrones character. Oh, Mance um, Raider? Mance Raider. Yeah, yeah. Um, there we go. I remember hearing that, like, he... I think he came in at the last minute to do that, because it was supposed to be uh, Dominic What's-His-Face, the guy who played McNulty in The Wire. Um, I think he was all mm. set for it, and then he, he, he found out that he'd have to go out and, like, shoot in the snow for months at a time. <laughs> and he was just like, <laughs> you know what? No. <laughs> I'm not uh, doing it. Uh, Give it to Kieran Hines. He'll do it. <laughs> which I think that... I, I think that was... Like what led to the success because the, um, the cinematographer for Zack Snyder's Justice League is uh, Fabian Wagner, who was it right? Fabian Wagner, yeah, who um, directed some of those episodes uh, from Game of Thrones, which I think was Hard Home, if I was, am I correct? Mm. Um, so there's there's a bit of Game of Thrones tangibility to to this movie, um, and being right after. Dawn of Justice, um, that's 2016 they were filming, and that was close to around season five mm. of Game of Thrones. Uh, Game of Thrones was, like, very popular at the time Dawn of Justice came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think season seven came out in 2018, and then that's when it all went downhill. <laughs> so... Justice League came out in 2017. Everyone said, well, that was garbage. At least Game of Thrones is still good. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a weird, like, how the, how the, 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 the tables turned. Where <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, we got a Justice League we all liked, and then the world collectively just forgot about Game of Thrones. They're, they're just like, yeah. For a while there, they're like, no, <laughs> we're not doing Although then, how's the dragon came back? Kind of redeemed it a little yeah. bit, I guess. But um, no, 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 no. Um, have you guys talked about the fact, though, that, like, I don't know if it was in any way thinking of, as part of Zack Snyder's thinking, but, like, Kieran Hines is in Excalibur. Yes. And, like, they even have, like, at the very end of this movie, they even have, like, you know, Bruce coming in and doing his whole thing. Well, here's a basically a round table and, you know, have, you know seats for six people and stuff. It's like an allusion to the, the Knights of the Round Table. And, like, was Zack Snyder going, like, well, I want to, you know, I'm a big Excalibur fan. I'm working in that kind of, you know, that territory. Yeah, that's that's yes. why Kieran Hines is here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very, very plausible to even connect those thoughts. Um, more apparent in uh, Dawn of Justice, Batman versus Superman, obviously. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we uh, dove real, real nice into Excalibur at that time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I, I was going to mention that I do have some of it in this one. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about Steppenwolf, but the uh, of course the chainmail having like this royal armor. Uh, of course, his is like like this Zeno armor, but the chainmail look and, and having these these knights, uh, this kind of knight look for Steppenwolf. Uh, a lot of it stems from from Excalibur. Um, even um, as we look uh, towards the end of the movie. Um, the uh, I, th- I think the concept of the Holy Grail. Even we can talk about the Codex that is within um, Kal El. There's there's so much of Excalibur that's baked into uh, at least the DC movies. Uh, I'm not sure if if Zack Snyder is putting that anywhere into Rebel Moon, of course. But mm. um, yeah, especially here in, in the DC universe, so Batman v Superman, um, Man of Steel. Uh, I think uh, even Robin in Dawn of Justice, uh, the Robin suit that's in, in the case, uh, he's holding a halberd that is exactly like um, Lancelot. 
the the halberd that Lancelot has in the movie. Well, that's actually something I do really like about the the Zack Snyder stuff. The way he leans into the whole, the the references to mythology and making them Mm -hmm. almost literally like Greek gods and things like that. But that, I mean, that's what DC is as well, you know? It just, it's kind of like more, it's leaning into that um, gods amongst men idea, especially when Batman's there. Um, yeah, we talked about that so much in okay, sorry, in Dawn of Justice, um, especially towards the end during the Doomsday fight, because there is a moment where you're seeing it from Batman's perspective. And it is like the only thing that you can think when you're seeing what is happening on screen is just a man <laughs> amongst gods. And it's yeah. like, what are you doing? But that just kind of goes all the way back to. It's Jack Kirby. Like, I mean, it's 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 amazing how the the, the circle gets completed. Um, but yeah, this this whole whole storyline is very mythological. Um, even mm-hmm. even the um, the the like I said, the Shakespearean bits, uh, the Arthurian mythology ness out of all of this is um, so apparent and just makes for great storytelling inherently because it is you know it's like some of the original stuff yeah you know so it's like why don't you just kind of fall back and adopt those themes and and plot points and just kind of turn them in comic booky space alien kind of thing it's like yeah that just it makes sense you know yeah totally. i think that's that's where um what makes Zack snyder's vision so strong in, in these comic book movies is because he is influenced by a lot of that dark age of comic books and 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 he kind of continues to to pull from it instead of just saying well i'm adapting that source material he says no i i love that source material i just i want to bring it in even if there's criticism of saying oh like you shouldn't be taking stuff from from those comic books unless you're making that movie Mm -hmm. um the biggest example being the death of superman where it's like you know why take that from that story um and and stealing all these different comic books and and putting them together and it's like because that was the vibe of that era Mm. and as well with the 80s and excalibur those arthurian stories were starting to to um become popular and so that late 80s is what's kind of influencing these movies and so when we see this minute here with desaad and steppenwolf it's like what makes it great, what makes it stronger, is the fact that it's it has all these the 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 foundation of Arthurian and Dark Age comic books that that makes it um, uh, entertaining. I guess is just like the flat out way to say it. it's just like it is entertaining to see a knight speaking to the hand of the king mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 having this exposition moment, but then it has the aesthetic of a DC comic book world, uh, you know, instead of a knight, it's Steppenwolf. And instead of the hand of the King, it's Desaad. And the, and if for a comic book fan, they go, I know who those characters are because I read that. And then like, it all just clicks together and becomes uh, seemingly effortless, even though it takes so much to do this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking too, that, um, cause it, Heinz, like his vocal delivery like I, it's been a while since I've seen the 2017 version, but he he doesn't have that cotton mouth kind of vibe, you know. Unless he sort of talks through. Yeah. Like, I think they just have him speak speak quite clearly in the uh, the the Justice League. 
Um, yes. But it was just, yeah, because it reminded me, I'm not too sure if Snyder's said why he specifically wanted him talking that way. Like, it really reminded me of, like, you're talking about like, all the very sophisticated, like, Arthurian legend they can work in. And I'm like, oh, he sounds like Unicron from the Transformers movie from the hey, 80s. That's, <laughs> that's dope, again, though. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's awesome, though. <laughs> But that's also like us, Orson Welles on his way out, where he's just like, you could barely understand what he was saying. Because he was like, It also sounds a bit like um, Apocalypse in the X Men cartoon in the 90s. It was, yeah, so way of speaking mm-hmm. about Apocalypse. So I don't know if that was the thing that they were intentionally going for. Like, but he, I, he obviously did have a very distinct thing of like, I want him to sound like this. Well, yeah. he, looks, he looks like a character who would sound that way. Yeah, Monster Alien. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he can't talk like me yeah. and you. That'd be weird. But then the sod kind of <laughs> speaks like he he speaks in such a kind of like but generic he's... clipped evil English guy thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks different though. I don't know. He's not as monstrous and beastly. Mm. I'll say too. Like yeah. I don't know whether like that the guy not not in these minutes, but that guy was Ray Porter who got to play Darkseid. Mm-hmm. I don't know yes. if he's just like really like really locked into this or if it's going to benefit his career in any way. But it's just so weird that he's like he's just some guy. Like he's you know, he's got a very extensive career in voice acting, mm. um, and I I think he does so many audiobooks, uh, which I, I guess that's I don't know where they found Ray Porter. I would love to ask him and find out. Yeah, um, yeah. do you wonder though if, has, if it's if he's like a? Cause I don't want to say that he's like a placeholder dark side because I guess this is like this is the finished product. This is what you would have got. Um, but so, we, you know, we come from a world where like, well, you know, the, your big villain has to be somebody famous, right? Like yeah. it has to be Josh Brolin or something. <laughs> it has to be Josh Brolin, yeah. And, and you always had the fan casting of like, oh, Tony Todd is Darkseid, which makes total sense. Or just, just get Michael Ironside back in to do it or something like that. And then just to be like, no, he's, he's, a, he's a very accomplished actor. He's a great vocal delivery. But he is just some guy to people. Like he's, he's, not, he's not any, you're not going there to see like, Jeremy Irons as Darkseid, which you know would be its own thing, but um, yeah, I don't know if he's go swagger if he thought that like, oh my god, this is gonna springboard me into superstardom, or if he's like, I guess I'm just here because like they, they didn't want to go and hire a big because they they they, they might have thought that we're not gonna get to do any more of this, so why would we go and hire a Josh Bolin when we don't know if there's gonna be any point to it? But I like to hope it's the the more positive, uh, <laughs> you know, giving someone a break. Kind hey, of. I really like your voice. I really want you to play my space villain. And it's like yeah. okay, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. That works for me, you know. Hmm? So if if I had to guess, obviously it's because I think Zach, Zach is like from from what we've talked about in these movies before. It's like he will find someone and just be like. I need that person yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, that person was, is uh, my character. Yeah. Christina Wren, who plays uh, Major Ferris in, in these movies, um, he was in New York and he, like, the hotel TV was just on. Um, and he saw this hummus commercial that she was in where <laughs> she was, like, impersonating, like, uh, like, a uh, an Italian grandmother, like her, like she was like impersonating her grandmother uh, about hummus or something. Um, I, I think I'm getting the nationality wrong, but anyways, he was just like, "I need her in this movie." <laughs> awesome. Just because he was just like that performance was great, uh, and so then she was getting messages of like, "Hey, you know, this Zack Snyder wants you to 
audition for this uh, role. And she's like, this is a this is a scam text. I'm not <laughs> answering this. You would assume <laughs> and so, And then later right? on they called and they're like, no, this is serious. He does want you to show up for a role. Oh. That's crazy though. Uh, I think like, yeah, your entire thing is just like based on random fate as well. It's like I just that TV just happened to be on, and I just happened to catch this little bit of a thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now because of that recent interview, now they found that hummus commercial, and so it was making the rounds on the internet lately. They're like, this is the this is a commercial Zack Snyder just happened to watch on TV, and and found the person that he wanted to play, Carol Ferris, um, or Major Ferris. I, I don't think it's confirmed. No, it's it's her. I think it's I think she is that character, um, and um, uh, I think with Ray Fisher and Ray Porter, I think they're both come from theater as well. So mm. they just found these characters and they're like, I want I want those in this movie. So mm. um, I don't exactly remember how he found Gal Gadot. but yeah, it, it, he just has always been like that where he finds someone he says. I want that person <laughs> to come audition for this movie. I love uh, that. That's the best way to find new people. Like, just just give them some confidence and, you know, just believe in it. Go with them. Mm. Pick them. So we had yeah. that kind of the multi-layered thing of uh, Tim Burton casting Michael Goff, where it's like, he's like, oh, he saw him in a production of something in London. And he's like, oh, no, he's really good. And then you look back and you find out, like, Michael Goff's in, like, a million Hammer horror films. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that Tim Burton was sitting there going, like, I want that guy. Like, that's the guy yeah, I watched that guy, like, yeah, a million yeah. things. I was like, no, it's from this uh, one theater <laughs> production he did. It's like, I've, you know he's a full-blown Goff fanboy. Like, Absolutely. He, he going there specifically to see him because he already knew he was going to cast him. Yeah. And I really wish there was some reference to him in The Flash. I think that was like oh, one of my biggest like yeah. missed opportunities. Massive, uh, massive that down. It's just like just a, a picture, like a little paint, yeah, a, a painting, picture, or... uh, you know, just a reference. I mean, because I mean, there was like a, a throwaway line where it's like you had an Alfred too, and I was like, please give me one more line, yeah, one more, one more, throw me one more bone. They were like, Alfred. yeah, Keaton, you have to, well, hope that Keaton himself would want, to, want something. It's like, you were, he was your Alfred for two damn movies, man. Yeah. Like, the last scene you had is Batman. You wish you shared it with that guy. Come, come on, dude. But, and also he was, he was with us for, for all four Batman movies. So yeah. It's like even, even George Clooney, like he was, he was an icon. He was, he was in, in the Batman cinematic <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite yeah. things I saw interviewing the, or like in doing research for Batman and Robin though knowing that Tim Burton was a massive Michael Goff fanboy going in and then like seeing Clooney been interviewed and them saying like oh so do you know about like Michael Goff and all his like old Hammer Horror backgrounds I was like I didn't know about it but he won't shut the hell up about it like every <laughs> five seconds he's going over going did you know that I was in this and this thing's like shut up old man I don't care oh boy no, yeah. And so, um, when it comes to to Ray Porter as as Dark Side, I think, at least with the fans of Zack Snyder's DC movies, there is his popular popularity did skyrocket a bit, but just in terms of, of fandom and, um, of course, anytime Zack Snyder has like those charity events and and people are invited to come over, um, Ray Porter is always there. Ray Fisher is always there. Um, Ben Affleck came to the last one, which was interesting mm. uh, and cool to see. So, um, yeah, there and this was like in Arizona. So these people flew here to, to talk about 
Justice League in front of a, in front of a bunch of fans. So uh, it was a really cool experience. Uh, I didn't go, but I saw all of it on the stream. Um, but yeah, Ray Porter is um, still very active uh, with with this movie and and you know talking about it because. I mean, to be honest, like you said, it's like this is all he really has as a major motion picture event. Um, but besides that, he does a lot of voice acting, and they did modulate um, Peter Guinness and and Kieran Hines in this movie. Obviously, Desaad's not in the 2017 version, but in 2017, uh, Steppenwolf is just like it's just it's a Kieran just Hines him. audio, yeah, mm. unmodulated, and then. Dark side. I'll have to ask, <laughs> have to ask uh, Ray Porter at some point and be like, "Did like because I, I, that is his voice?" But I don't know if they had to modulate it any further. I'm sure yeah. there's just probably something. They, they got it. Hon- honestly, what, <laughs> speaking from experience, yeah, you like touch it up and do other things to yeah. it. Um, even if you like think back to the Kieran Hines voice in the 2017 Justice League. There's moments in that movie where his dialogue sounds a little blown out, like mm. almost as if they couldn't like lower the gate for the audio on that one. It's like, well, it's then he wouldn't be screaming, you know, and it's like, oh, I I see what you what you did. And it just seemed like he was going all out with whatever line that was. And it may have just got a little bit too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's a did, new language for Steppenwolf. He's learning English. True. <laughs> did they get Kieran Hines to re-record any lines, or is this all just the original that they've then adjusted? Uh, no, there was re-recording. Hmm. That was all done in post, right? Because I wasn't. Yeah. I, 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 I genuinely that. don't know what what part he had to play after the original. I thought maybe, maybe he could have gone either way. They could have got him in, or he might have just been like, "Nope, I'm done. Use what yeah. you've got." No, I think oh, we, talk, you know, to be fair to me, about... you know, it's it's working actor getting a paycheck. I'm like, you want me to come back in to just do sitting in the recording booth? Sure, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think they had to redo anything to release this film. Besides the nightmare scene and the martian manhunter scene at the end mm. i think everything in the in the epilogue is like that's new and had to be redone i'm also and choosing nothing. to believe that 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 i believe the lois and martha heart to heart was originally there but martha turning out to be martian manhunter after <laughs> i think that was tacked on that felt very like no no i don't i, I don't even buy that in the scene i was like that nah, I, I, I don't really want to believe that that wasn't martha there but um, yeah, because it was a well, it, it's a lovely scene. So yeah, I agree. Well, so that part, the Martha, it is, it was done in originally because there there was like the concept art sketches and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Showing, well, you know, I don't know if you remember that this was like all we had at the time was just Zack Snyder on Vero just being like, I'm gonna post concept art. Yeah, I never saw he never saw the 2017 version, so he doesn't know what's in it or not. And some people asked about the Russian family, and he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so I've never seen it. Um, and, but he would post the concept art for the movie, and people would be like, what is this? I've never seen this. <laughs> Release the Snyder Cut. And then that's how it kept going. Mm. Um, 
But the the Martha being Martian Manhunter was originally done in the film. Um, spoiler: I think it's an awful thing choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I still love the movie. It just I, I think it kind of undermines something about it. Um, we'll get to it. But yeah, 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 that that part's there. The part where he meets Bruce Wayne later that's new, um, and then the nightmare scene was all was all new yeah um i think the vision that cyborg has about the mother box about the future take taking root in the present that i think some of it might be new or just reused assets which we'll again we'll talk about but um yeah i don't think as far as the adr like the voicing i think that was already done as well yeah no one had to come back for that hmm It'd be weird to actually that even have though, like if you're contractually obligated to like do reshoots and stuff, and then Karen Hines gets a call years later going like, it's essentially like a new movie, <laughs> like they're bringing up, but we need you to. It's kind of would what the would the contract still stand of been like, well, you're you're obligated to do reshoots if need be, but then you've been like, well, it's been years, it's been years at this point, and also. You're like, it's is it the same film and stuff? It's, I don't know what the legality yeah. of that would be, but I wonder that about um, like Terry Gillum films, you know, like uh, Don Quixote, which was like taking forever to to finish that movie. Um, and it's like, do you do you get called back? Does your contract run out at some point, or mm. or even um, some some MCU actors? It's like. Does the contract run out, or do they still say, "Well, you, you signed up for five, you you done two, so we can, at any point in time we can call you back for three yeah, more." Yeah, yeah, that would be a, almost like a looming threat of like I'm, I'm <laughs> looking to make all these deals and be in all these movies, and then all of a sudden at any point you can get a call from Kevin Feige going, "Oh yeah, we need you back for this." And like, God, that but I had a starring role lined up in this thing. Like, no, no, you're under contractual obligation to come oh, back. You're trapped. Know, that happened with. Have any with... of you been on call? at your job before it's like that feeling it's like <laughs> i can't enjoy my saturday i'm on call i i just have anxiety all day yeah. that's why i won't do it because i know that when you do have time off you're not gonna enjoy it no you can't relax you're just, it's and then as soon as your phone rings it could be your mom it could be your 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 partner it doesn't matter as soon as the phone starts ringing i'm thinking Work is calling me, and whatever mood I was in is is out of the window. It's yeah, gone. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> As the people then, uh, yeah, Colby Smolders was basically on call for ten plus years of her life, but just been like, they might need me. I don't know. I don't know what I can book here now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's yeah, not yeah. that's not the same mindset as like going into like something that gets rebooted. Or or well, not even they, not even rebooted or even like continued. What's a good example? Um, the first thing that came to my mind literally right now <laughs> was Night Court. They have a new Night Court <laughs> out, right? And that's kind of like, what if they like got everybody back, right? It's like what, they're just less like, I'm not doing like John. They asked John. It's like I'm not. I, you're telling me that I got to come back and do Night Court. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like what if it's like that same sort of mindset, or if it's just um, the thought of just the new project and kind of I don't know, and maybe there's some excitement about revisiting some characters that you that you like doing, but then it kind of just goes back down all to the writing, right? It's like, well, if the writing was there, 
because it was there in the original Night Court, but then this new one, it's like, well, oh, uh, I don't know about this, guys. Maybe shouldn't have happened anyway. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't so, know. But yeah, you're right. It, do, have... it does seem burdensome, especially with uh, working on other projects that you don't want to have to come back to the set. Yeah. And um, before we end the conversation on, on Desaad and Steppenwolf, um, because this is going to be our last scene of part three, this is the reason that this scene exists is to to give you a little bit of exposition before it closes because in the 2017 version, Ray Fisher looking I keep saying Ray Fisher, <laughs> Victor Stone looking out the window to see the bat signal um, would lead into the very next scene that we're going to be talking about in part four. Um, but before we we leave this odd, I wanted to bring up I mentioned it yesterday, but there's a little bit of VFX breakdown that happens here, um, and. It's just because, in reality, this movie was being rushed to finish, which, when we look at movies today, like these summer blockbuster movies and comic book movies, it's actually quite stunning, Im- stunningly impressive how good this movie looks, given the amount of time where they, they announced that this movie was coming to HBO Max um, and that they were having to finish this movie Um with with a new VFX team that was going to come in and finish it, mm-hmm. it is overall very impressive looking. Um, but then there are moments where um, there's moments later in the film with with Aquaman. There's some moments here with Desaad. I think later when Desaad introduces Darkseid into the conversation, there's there's a moment of like okay, there's a model here that's not finished, um, and so. When we look at this one, um, there's um, Steppenwolf obviously looks great. But then as we go into about eight seconds in, Steppenwolf is, ex- is explaining that the parademons are following the scent of the mother box that are on these scientists. Um, you'll see Desaad step a little bit forward and you can kind of see like that. What would be like this nuclear totem and Desaad's body like it has to move forward because he takes a step forward and you can see like there's like this fragmented um because he's 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 wearing a fabric clothing Mm. but it's also a metal pillar so how do you get that fabric to stretch and so it's just kind of like um extruded and cascaded in a way but like the more you look at it, the more it starts to get kind of confusing. And it's not something you're supposed to look at, but we're doing a minute-by-minute minute podcast. So the more you look at it, the more you go, I don't know if they had time to really blend that in or otherwise it like disconnects itself completely from mm. this nuclear totem. And so that's like one of those things where you go, if this movie had more time, this this would have been figured out. But no, we have to give the fans what they want. So just put, <laughs> just put it out there. They won't give a shit about it. I truly don't give a shit about it, but it is like worth pointing out. Like, oh, okay, that's where we see yeah, that yeah. We, we have to give up on these things. Mm, mm. Well, it happens. It happens. Like, we, you yeah, know, it's, again, we're going currently through Mask of the Phantasm, which feels like, oh, you know, beautifully made, beloved film. And the amount of times you'd have to go like, there's a mistake in the animation. In the background there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just like, and you feel like, bad. <laughs> Which is yeah, like, I know they spent and, hours and hours and hours on it, but like all of a sudden, Andrea Beaumont has sleeves when she didn't have sleeves before. Like, <laughs> you know, I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> I think that's to me, it's not like, like, um, critical, like criticizing. To me, I think of it as like 
almost like an Easter egg to find yeah. errors in animation. Like I think there's um I was watching and I was watching SpongeBob like season one or two and for some reason I was like on the Wikipedia of like looking things up about I was a wiki surfing yeah. about SpongeBob for As some one reason. Yeah. And then I realized that there's a category under each episode where it's just it lays details errors and it um was like every episode has like animation errors that are documented and I find it more fascinating to go and as I was watching it I was like finding them and like there was one about like the Doodle Bob episode where like something doesn't line up properly or like something doesn't make sense um the way that the animation is supposed to or like there'd be like there's an extra frame in the middle of this segment where it's just a frame of Patrick for some reason and I was like oh this is so interesting that I find that people document it and then I go find it and I go, Oh, there it is. There's the animation error. Mm. Uh, and so I just, I find it more fascinating than critical. Yeah. 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 I think so too. I, 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 what I used to do when I was younger, especially on like, um, like older cartoons, um, especially a lot of like Looney Tunes stuff. Um, and things that had like, um, the older animation of, um, static backgrounds and, and, and layered, um, mm-hmm. Uh, sheets and everything um, like the the matte painting yeah, right? yeah yeah um seeing the animation where like if the whatever characters were in you know the foreground and everything like that um if they yeah. were going to interact with something that was a part of the said background that like whatever they were interacting with was usually a you know different color than anything else in the background because it was uh, you know same color but different lightly toned or whatever yes. because it had to be animated and it was like a cell that was you know a bunch of layers on you can tell layering. that they were going to like go to that thing and interact with it so i remember oh, video games about used to do lot. that as well because yeah. they'd pre-render like the backgrounds but then there'd be like something really standing out and you're like oh mm-hmm. that's something i can actually use yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. And, and i think they explain like it'll be they do lesser polygons in video games so that the game can actually render it but when it comes time to actually use an item, it has to be fully rendered mm-hmm. and it has to use all the, the textures and stuff with it. And so that's how it stands out so that they can they can use it. Um, but yeah, it's just to me, it's just always just always interesting. But um, yeah, um, there's a there's a final close up with Steppenwolf. Fantastic VFX work. There's scarring on his chin, um, all the detail in, in the in the zeno armor chainmail armor um so overall vfx look great in this movie in my opinion um but yeah uh Desaad is just here to just tell him to go look for that third mother box and he says he will mm. and end scene <laughs> it really is a kind of steppenwolf in this could have been an email <laughs> it, it really is like that is the really exact was. demeanor <laughs> like that's like you are the you know the cast out guy like you're just on the mission in the stars looking for three mythical boxes like you're not going you know he's he's looking for the holy grail you know it's it's he's yeah. percival it's like percival never called him it's like hey just to let you know I got in a little bit of an altercation, you know, he's like, all right, dude, whatever. Like you're not coming back. <laughs> Maybe he's, he's, he's just hoping for any kind of praise though. Yeah. Cause he's just That's like, it. Yeah. look, yeah. I, I got two of them. Like, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, call us when you got the third one. Like what the hell, man? Yeah. 
And I think we've talked about that a lot, Mark. You and I mentioned the same, like, pretty much the same idea of just, like, why are you calling with just, like, an update with the two and just, like, hey, you got your house built? Like, I think I understand. there was a meme. There um, was a meme floating around where it was just odd. It was just, like, this could have been an email. Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> that was it. Hey, I'm like <laughs> Steppenwolf. You know, I keep people informed along the whole process. I get it. That's my attitude. It, it, you can't hurt to know. I mean, if, yeah. he, if he's, if Steppenwolf's writing his... Then they say, "Oh, you don't communicate ever." Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, you, if, should, you should learn to talk more. Like, which one is it? If he's yeah. working you want me to on his, uh, when we talk about my feelings or not. <laughs> if he's working on his project manager resume, then he's doing the exact right thing. You know, yeah. keeping people up to date. Pointless you imagine he, like he calls back though, like half hour later. It was like, so did you did you tell Darkseid? Yeah. <laughs> 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 what, what did he say? <laughs> like, does he think I'm good? You know, well, that's, that's the funny thing. I don't think for one second he's telling Darkseid any of this. He's mm-hmm. just like, ah, no, I won't bother him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Darkseid, he's got so much else going on, sitting on yeah. that throne, staring up under the sky. <laughs> you know, He's too busy to take this call. He's so. busy. He's busy. <laughs> All he I'll say to. before we do move on, though, I, Parademon, right? Sounds way cooler and more like spirit realm than what they actually are. Hmm. Like, I mean, they're just basically mindless drones, aren't they? But when every time I hear Parademon, I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is that going to be? Uh, oh, it's just this thing. Okay. Just I mean, like, cool we've, is it like the, word. Yeah. I think it might be is it next minute, though, when Jim Gordon will be told. He he will have the, the word Parademon presented <laughs> to him for the first time in his 60 odd years of life. And he's just like, OK. <laughs> like, he's used to all this crazy stuff now. Okay, fine. Parody. It really is. Oh, oh, we get to that when we get to it. But his his reactions in the in the next couple of minutes are just like it really does convey a man who's been like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess this is what we're doing like now. <laughs> yeah. Huh? So much about this scene. Well, actually, we, oh yeah, we don't even get there yet because um, yeah, we this do is have part the uh, l- l- lengthy build up to it though. We have to you have to give moments like this the grandeur they are uh, deserving of you know the concept batman going to the bat signal like it's yeah. it's, it's a moment which is like you can't you can't cut this out no. it's no. like with all the criticisms of a four-hour movie it's like you see so as part four starts it's just commissioner gordon bat signal steamy pipes tarps torn like I love, yeah, the, the, rooftop, I love that detail that he's put yeah. up like a little washing line with a tarp because he's like, I'm up here all the time getting soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, like... I only need to stand in the one spot. It's not like I need a little canopy up here. Um, yeah. But it is what we call an establishing shot. And it is mm. honestly, in my opinion, one of the best establishing shots ever uh, depicted in uh, anything Batman related media. Yes. Because mm. um, mm. this is just kind of, it's very simple, but there's like a skyline that actually has to be influenced and still to think, but you're also like on the top of a building. So you really don't necessarily have that much of a skyline if you're on top of the skyscraper. So you have to add other city jargon, you know, city clutter uh, to, to mimic a rooftop. Um, mm. One of the main differences I think was, was a big takeaway is that the, uh, the, the Josh Whedon movie kind of, um, started with this much like justice league war uh uh, the and even the um comic book with uh establishing the parademons in gotham city and and all that stuff and the rooftop scene um but like the differences between that rooftop the joss whedon rooftop ness and 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 this is insane 
Um, but the biggest key feature, in my opinion, sorry, was uh, not having um, that silly water tower in this. Because um, there was that big water tower on top of the building. And, like, yes, I understand. That's, like, a, 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 it seems that that would be a normal thing to have, like, on, you know, very 1940s-style New York skyscraper building and stuff. It's like I I get where you're going, mm-hmm. um, but like yeah, it's we get still it. the animaniacs are in there. Yeah, you know it still puts a tone <laughs> of like um, not. It still puts a cartoony tone on it and 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 camp in in I think a negative way. Um, whereas this one, the bigger things that are in focus is obviously the bat signal because that thing has to be a, a massive floodlight. Um, and then the next uh, giant structure that we'll see in a little bit um, is also very key to just the character itself. So this establishing shot looks very simple, but it has so many elements that automatically put you into Gotham City and in this realm of not just Batman riding around town in a Batmobile or a Batcave. It puts you yeah. in the realm of Batman having the conversation with Jim Gordon at GCPD, um, mm. which kind of in the past movies, we've usually just seen it as, I guess, a little bit more law and order e, where it's just like, oh, yeah, they're just on the roof That's and they're just kind of having, you know, a, 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 oh, God, what the hell's the guy's name? Um, Gary Oldman. No. <laughs> the, the walking conversation, the law and order walking conversation. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. God, I can't think of it. It starts with an S or something. Anyway. Aaron Sorkin? Um, Sorkin, there we go. A Sorkin-style conversation. And that just seems like that's just the basis of, uh, like, quick police talk, kind of. Mm. Official police business talk, Mm -hmm. kind of whatever, banter. Um, All of those elements, like, don't necessarily... uh, In my opinion, it's like that's not not really a way to uh, go about a, a conversation between Batman and Jim Gordon because it's not... (laughs) <laughs> it's not law and order it's this is like it's, it's gotta opposite. be it's gotta be wacky <laughs> it's it's still getting into the mindset of a dude dresses up like a bat and he goes on top of a roof and he has a conversation with a cop and he's the world's greatest detective and he's just like okay thanks for the info see you later i'm gonna go be a detective he's like all right you got it man it's great <laughs> um but anyway it's, th- this uh, is great i yeah. like this a lot the reflective of the puddle um mm. was really cool um, I think this this scene was just very well done. I got I'll, I'll allow uh, Zach to like the indulgence of like because he's got to play in this world, and yeah. you say like, oh, this, you know, this this seems like you don't really need to have this here, but at the same time, it's like, oh, so I'm going to play with the Justice League, and I can have a scene of Gordon meeting Batman. It's like, of course, I'm going to go all out to make it like a really decrepit, horrible looking rooftop in this mm-hmm. rain drenched city and I'm gonna I'm gonna wallow in the fact that I get to, to yeah. actually do this, you know, in a movie because it's only for a minute, but I'm gonna make that minute count. And I, I actually would argue it is important. I know some people wouldn't, but I think it says a lot about Batman without you having to go through all kinds of things like how he operates, about their dynamic with each other. And also it just sort of alludes back to the comics because i could see this exact yeah. shot of batman as a panel in a comic yep. exactly as it is oh it's the shot of batman is yeah. so dark knight Returns. this is a poster yeah i mean like this yeah. is this is mm-hmm. uh, of the character i mean all of it is just of 
the entirety of it. Um, the the yeah. lore behind all of just Batman and Jim Gordon, mm. Gotham City rooftops, um, Gothic architecture, just darkness. I mean, oh, no, a lot of so, people... Again, again, though, it's so strange that, like, it mentioned at the start of the episode, this is the first time that me and John, who are, like, four and a half seasons into a Batman, yeah. a Batman Minute by Minute podcast, first time we've come across Jim Gordon and Batman talking by the bat signal on the GCPD rooftop. Because 89, the signal isn't there until the end, returns, Gordon and Batman only interact at the start, and it's on the street level, and it's Batman strutting away. And Gordon, like, desperately trying to catch up with him. And I'm like, oh, I think the circus guy is back. And I'm like, Batman having no time for him. <laughs> Third one, if we get Chase Meridian does it. He has a conversation with her on GCPD rooftop. Batman pisses off. And then Gordon appears. And then the fourth movie, no, never goes near it. So, and then Mask of the Phantasm also does not feature a scene like this. So it's so odd that after, like, six years, this is the first time we're going to, me and John, doing what we do. We're getting to address, like, oh, Gordon, Batman, Bat-Signal, Rooftop, mm-hmm. here it is. the One of the most iconic you know, bits of Batman kit you're ever going to come across. And it's it's such an easy, like I'm always an easy sell with all Batman stuff anyway. But yeah. like, I remember distinctly going into uh, The Batman when it came out. And I kind mm-hmm. of approached that movie with a real like, you know, I'm sure it'll be good. But like, it's all, see, like we're so deeply entrenched in the character now that it's like, Eh, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not expecting it to blow my mind or get like too wrapped up in all this stuff. Uh, and it was, the, you know, within the first ten minutes, I was just giddy because I was like, yeah. "Oh, they're doing it! They're doing all the stuff!" Yeah. And yes. one of the yeah. first things was just like cutting the shot of the bat signal and his voiceover going like, "We have a signal now for mm-hmm. what I'm needed." And cutting the yeah. shot of Jeffrey Wright, basically this exact shot, but just Jeffrey Wright on a different building and him, Gordon, stand by the bat signal and then up in the sky. And that was all it took for me to be like, oh, yeah, oh, now we're here. Yeah, I'm 100% yeah. in on this. I agree. Uh, I very much agree and, and would echo your easy sellness of the character. It really is. I mean, Batman in media is just one of my all-time favorite things. Um, it's just a character model that I uh, just love to death. And um, you don't got to twist my arm to like say, like, oh, yeah, Batman's He's like, okay, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm in. Um, you know. <laughs> So this was such a such a joy, um, especially in like the a little, I guess, next episode when you actually have the two of them interacting and it isn't um, kind of like what you would expect. It's it's kind of it, to me, it was a little bit of a surprise, um, especially knowing the uh, the timeline of this Batman. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I also I also have notes yeah. on, on that. So, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. get it. We'll get into that a little bit. But um one of the things I did want to mention um, was uh, one of my favorite aspects of this uh, whole section that we're going to talk about is the title, uh, Change Machine. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into story elements that, in my opinion, relate to that title. Um, but I think it's really great. Uh, I've said it before. I'm a big fan of title screens, and um, I'm a big fan of Batman. So uh, this minute is really cool. Uh, it's a visually stunning incredible comic book panel like it makes me want to look at the the storyboarding for it because it seems like this was like storyboarded so long ago that like it was just like this is the idea keep this this is what we're going to try to work with and then it kind of just like always falls apart in previous projects but here it's like we're going we're gonna get we're gonna do it yeah we got this we got this big set we we got this 
Yeah, I think we all we definitely have uh, plenty of notes and comments for just this second half of the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, John, what what's your thought on on this minute? I wanted to get your opinion overall, um, or or this particular moment. Just, uh, uh, yeah, just as we start uh, chapter four, and, and we have Commissioner Gordon here with the bat signal and everything. Just overall. Oh, I, I absolutely love all of this. Like, I, I love the the previous section that we were talking about. You know, with Steppenwolf and everything, and then going into the the Batman stuff. Uh, especially because, as Niall said, we haven't really seen this very much in our movies, mm. and it's mm-hmm. such an important part of Batman. I can't believe we haven't seen it. It's a thing that we like. If we were to continue on, we wouldn't even be getting to a moment like this. Until the end of Batman Begins, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like, God knows, like when we're going to be doing that. So it's like, holy moly, it's 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 so odd that they managed to dot around it. Uh, it's particularly odd in Batman Forever because they kind of use the the concept of it of like him showing up to meet Commissioner Gordon and had been Chase Meridian has been like, oh, uh, we all know this, right? <laughs> and yet, like if you just saw the movies, you wouldn't know that because <laughs> you'd be like, well. Why is he expecting to meet Gordon here? He's never met him on top of the rooftop before. Like that's very true, and it's weird because to me this this is Batman. Like this in my mind, this needs to be in every Batman movie, show, comic. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's not always. It's like well, and they're obviously under the assumption making that that you've just referenced that it is in the other Batman movies that they just haven't <laughs> re- remembered, you know. Yeah, and then we have, like, yeah, the last one there, the Batman, they, they do it, like, five times. Like, yeah. they're just constantly, mm-hmm. they, those guys just hang out by the bat signal all day. <laughs> so I, oh, I love that we get it. It's it's brilliant. And just the way he stands there for an unnecessarily long amount of time as well. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, like, like you said, um, it's like he gets, Zack Snyder indulges in this moment here. And, because in essence, you know, much like a Steppenwolf and Dasad, this is a moment for exposition for the audience to know where uh, we know where the villains stand. Now we we get to know what the heroes stand um, in the, in the terms of what what's going on in the story. It's a four hour movie. We got to keep get people up to date. But it's four hours because we're gonna also spend time with you to enjoy the world of DC that we're in, whether we go to Gotham or Pajornov or Metropolis, we want to revel in the world that we've established. And so it takes its time to, to tell the exposition by first saying, let's enjoy Gotham city for a moment. And to, to not only just have commissioner Gordon there and to deliver stuff to, to Batman, but let's enjoy Gotham city. Let's have Gotham city tell you, a story about itself and in the way that the signal looks and really the way that GCPD looks because it's not just G- commissioner Gordon and, and the bat signal, but the fact that um, GCPD has this um, Arkham style to it. This uh, it reminds me a lot of the, the uh, raccoon city police department from resident evil yeah. Two, where it's like, it looks haunted and mm. this is a police station that's been here for years because Gotham city is such an old place with such a haunted history mm-hmm. that it, you see it here. Like this is, this is why Batman fits and it's not like people like have become so familiar with Batman that they remove him from his world and they go, 
yeah, but isn't he just like a crazy rich guy in a bat costume? And it's like, yeah, but when you look at it here, you <laughs> go, I understand why a crazy rich guy is just like a bat. And yeah. it's because <laughs> this world exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah, terrifically, terrifically well done. A classic shot that's just like it's been done, you know, a million times, but also, you know, since <laughs> or yeah, just in in media in general, like whether through animation or through comics or whatnot. But still, yeah, yeah still just works beautifully. So, and it's another reason why um, sometimes I I, I kind of want to fight back against the the criticism that Zack Snyder is like kind of just like this dark and gritty uh director only and it's like yes i guess those two terms are true maybe the dark part but the there's a difference between david ayer doing suicide squad and and zack snyder doing these dc movies in which david ayer um and christopher nolan they were chasing the realism of dc heroes in 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 a hyper realistic world um, so much so that like the Dark Knight, like we've talked about, uh, Gotham City looks like just Chicago, um, and it's lost the aesthetic that Batman Begins had with it. Um, and then with Suicide Squad, it was like these are DC characters in in Chicago. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where Zack Snyder is like, yes, it's dark and gritty, but it's still fantastical. Like the Batman that he's he created in Batman v Superman. It's, it's wanting to, there, uh, there was a studio mandate for the Man of Steel, obviously. It's why Man of Steel looks hyper-realistic is because it was, the studio wanted Superman to have its Dark Knight moment. Um, but Zack Snyder's been slowly trying to get it to the fantastical uh, vision that he's had. And so this is that moment here where we say, we're done being hyper-realistic Batman. I want my Batman to be looking like that Jim Lee poster that every comic book nerd had on their wall. Yeah. And yeah. this is that moment here to to have that. And so dark and gritty, yes, but it is not hyper realistic like people criticize these movies to be. This here is this is a comic book. This Absolutely. is this right here is a comic book. Um and so that's what I really love about Zack Snyder's vision for these movies is that it's it it really does bring us into that comic book world. Um, and um, there was another moment here in, in this shot or in, in this scene where Commissioner Gordon's looking at um, Batman. And I remember this being uh, another thing that was super controversial about the 2017 film, which is this broken tarp here. And so there's a shot before we get the reveal of Batman on this gargoyle. Um, and the, the tarp is kind of blocking the view of Batman and in the 2017 version we only get that shot where there's this tarp it's blocking Batman and for a long time people thought that the scene or the shot that happens right after with Batman on the gargoyle that in post Joss Whedon put that tarp there as if it would make it more dramatic that we couldn't see him and so for the longest time people were were complaining like they ruined the shot by putting this tarp in, and now we see the reality that Zack Snyder actually did shoot both, that there was going to be this tarp blocking Batman, and then a full reveal. So it was just one of those things that for a long time people 
there's so many things people blame Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns for in Justice League. And this is one of those moments where it's like, actually, this is a Zack Snyder moment. So mm, mm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it, because it was a Zack Snyder moment, it just made it easier for them to just be able to have have it chop for time and stuff like that too. Where it's like we don't need that that big of an establishing shot. We just yeah, get, it's not, get Jim Gordon. It's not Joss Whedon's style, anyway. Is yeah, it, you know. And then so they just said, get the, let's get the keep jump the tarp down. one and <laughs> not and not the full reveal one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the full reveal Definitely. still had to have some touch ups and stuff, but because I remember there was I remember after the Whedon came out zach was still posting like stills of um, mm-hmm. like his photography and i remember this being i'm pretty sure it was a black and white of uh ben on a gargoyle you know yeah. set and it was like oh so maybe you were still like working on that on that frame <laughs> so could have been um yeah. anyway um there are a few notes about james gordon and the uh, bat signal. Uh, do you guys want me to say the notes, or do you, you guys have the his, historical facts on these ones? Do you I don't want to save it for the next episode. Uh, no, I don't. Because okay. <laughs> I want to talk about the other characters that show up. So that's fair. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll quickly run through it. I'm sure you guys have have said it many times before. Um, but probably not never in the same minute. Um, mm. but yeah, James Gordon has always been with uh, Detective Comics since uh 27. Same. Same issue that introduced Batman in, in Detective Comics. Um, and then we didn't see um, the Bat Signal until issue 60 in, in 1942 of Detective Comics. So um, about 40 issues later, there is the established Bat Signal uh, in Detective Comics. And I think it's just, um, from what I read, it just is just established. Like, that's There's no buildup to it. It's not like... We have a signal now Batman. for when I'm needed. Yeah. It is kind of like that. It's really it's, as easy as that. It's though. like that. It does do that. That's, where it's just like we have a signal now. That's Whereas it. in Batman Begins, there's like a whole build up. We need an origin for the bat signal. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, it just, we, we have a signal now. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And, and a weird like art house kid, like, <laughs> origin for the bat signal on that one. Yeah. I got I to gotta rip up his, his, his sport coat to make it look like. Look, look like bat wings. <laughs> it looks like a bat. Drop them to you, it. That's the thing. Like it doesn't even Not really even thinking need about the temperatures of this this floodlight that they're going to reach if I string a man to the front of it. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's raining. He'll be all right. It'll douse it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, as well that the uh, yeah the I think we talked about it, like obviously way back when we touched on the bat signal uh, back in the back in the end of eighty nine. Because uh, I know it's from. Um, the story's from is called like the case of the costume clad killers. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one where like these people going around committing crimes, but they're dressed as like policemen mm-hmm. or firemen or ambulance drivers and stuff. And of course, it turns out it's the Joker uh, messing with people's heads. Um, I just always thought at the time, it's like, oh, I wonder if that's kind of the little thing that no one's picked up on when in the Dark Knight, you know, at the at the commissioner's funeral or the mm-hmm. mayor's funeral the mayor's funeral the mayor's uh, funeral and yeah or is it the, the no it's the mayor does does a, no it's, i think it's the previous commissioner's funeral because uh, the, the mayor doesn't die until the, the mayor is the one giving the the eulogy yeah yeah but of yeah. course you have all the joker's goons are there in disguise as like the firing guard and the jokers are in the cop uniform it's like oh, i wonder if it's a little allusion to uh 
to you know the or I think even the Joker's first appearance, he dressed up as a cop. So yeah, it could be either or. Um, but it's one of those things I always like to point out too, because like everyone's always so focused on like Batman and the Joker and Gordon, the Bat Signal, and Jesus, uh, you know, and Batman all together. And then I always like to point out like, and all of those things, the first time the Joker showed up. You know that Robin was with Batman. Like you know, Robin was introduced first, and the first time he shows up to the Bat Signal, Robin's also there. That's <laughs> well. craziest too. What the hell? Yeah, because people always just like to block out Robin. There's been like, oh no, no, it's the cool part though, the Batman <laughs> and all the other stuff. It's like, oh, you know, from the inception, no, it was always this you know brightly colored kid right by his side the whole yeah, time yeah. when he mm-hmm. met his it's arch like, nemesis. I, he was, I was also there. there too. So. I was there. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So, uh, uh, so yeah. So um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute, but there's something just kind of, um, I would say a little bit upsetting is the way this minute cuts off here is like, there's a, there's just a bit of, you have Ben Affleck or um, Richard Suchon um, in the Batman costume standing on this gargoyle. And so this is a real actor on, on a real prop Um that it's going to be jumping off this gargoyle, but then the minute ends. Um, and what's really cool is that what we'll see in, in the next minute is you'll see it go from real actor, real stunt to uh, visual effect, and then back down to actor in, in real set. So there's a transition piece that happens here that gets cut off. Um, but it's, it's really quite fantastic. So um, it's one of the times where, the minute by minute format uh, harms something really cool in the film. So no. <laughs> that's on us in this crazy concept. So um, unless anyone has any other notes. No, no, that's no, me. No, that no. for this minute. That's everything. Good. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.